We've been in a series called CrossFit, so I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I hope you know how to do a jumping jack. I'm just kidding. You can sit back down. I just want some of you to sweat a little bit. <laughs> Take back your hand clap, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, in this day and age, striving to be fit and healthy isn't an easy thing. It actually has to be like a lifestyle. I've come to realize that if you want to uh, be fit uh, physically, and if you want to be healthy on the inside... Uh, it is literally a lifestyle. It, it's, not, um, it's not really a program. It's not uh, something that, you know, you just do on a whim uh, when you feel like it. Uh, but it's, it's if you really want consistency in your physical life, uh, it has to be a lifestyle for us. And part of that problem is, is that we're always facing temptation. Every, everywhere we turn, the temptation is there. I mean, the temptation for the pizza, the cookies, the donuts— uh, Krispy Kreme, which I think is from hell, um, but um, because there is just this habitual bondage that I am entrapped in with that place. But that's another story. We'll talk about that later. But um, the, the couch time and the internet and, and Facebook and, and trying to update our Twitter posts and, and Pinterest and all these things, and, and we combine that with the ease of going to McDonald's and just grabbing a burger on the way to the next event, and, and everything else around us is just all this temptation just pulling at us, and really it comes down to making it a lifestyle to be physically fit. And in the same way, it, it correlates with our spiritual being because the truth is, if we are to be lovers of Jesus and we are to journey with him and we want to be Christ followers, it has to be a lifestyle. It can't be on a whim. It can't be when we feel like it. It can't be a program to us. It has to be an everyday lifestyle because our spirit on the inside must be healthy too. Because it's the same thing on the outside that, that if we neglect exercise and if we neglect feeding our bodies healthy food, uh, then our bodies will actually pay the price. But also if we neglect our spiritual side or our spiritual man inside, and we neglect that lifestyle of being in the presence of Jesus and seeking after him, and we don't exercise our spiritual muscles and our spiritual being, our spiritual side will begin to suffer. And so after these past couple of weeks, we have been in the book of James. We have been exercising our spiritual muscles. We have been filling ourselves with good, deep spiritual food to satisfy our spirit, our inner being. And so we've been digging into James and uh, I, I like the book of James. I appreciate what Pastor Nicole said last week. Um, it's kind of like he just tells it straightforward. There's no sugarcoating. He just gets right to the point, doesn't mess around. But uh, over a few weeks, we've been learning that, um, that when, we, uh, when we don't trust God, uh, when, we, when we don't trust him, we actually begin to fight with each other. And, and when we fight with each other, we cause quarrels among each other. But, but we realize when we get to the foot of the cross, that can't happen. And God begins to eliminate that and deal with that in our lives. We've also been learning that, uh, that we, the reason we actually choose to judge other people uh, is to elevate ourselves, to make ourselves feel better and greater than those that are around us. And then we come to realize too, as Pastor Nicole spoke to us last week, is basically we have no authority to judge other people and that there is only one, there is only one who has the authority to judge and that is Jesus Christ. So we're gonna camp out uh, this morning. Uh, we're gonna take our gym time uh, here this morning, and we are going to dig into the book of James. Uh, so if you have your Bible with you, I'm going to encourage you to take that out. Uh, we'll have it on, on display on the screen, or you can use it on your outline. But before we go there, it's just so amazing how we have great plans. How many of you are planners? How many of you just, you know, eh, whatever comes for the day? Nothing wrong with that. I'm just giving seeing what we got here. Now, for me, I am a planner. I am a planner. I, I have to plan what I'm doing. I have to know what I'm going to do the next morning. Usually in my head, before I even get up, I already know what I'm going to do. Sometimes in the middle of the night, I will wake up and, you know, I will kind of like run through my day the next day. 
And uh, that's kind of a challenge for me. I'm trying to get away from that. I'm trying to be a little more loose in my schedule with that. But it's funny how, as individuals, we just make plans. Just do what we want to do. We make plans. Uh, we're going to go to work tomorrow. And uh, probably after work, we're going to come home. We're going to eat our meal and, and uh, maybe play with the kids or, or go, go to a baseball game or, or go watch something on TV. Or, and, and then maybe we'll go to bed. It just depends on what comes for the day. But the majority of the time, we got our plans set for the day. Maybe some of us are planning, you know, a great vacation. We're just going to go vacation, take a couple weeks, and uh, we're just going to enjoy it without a schedule. Uh, but we are planning to go somewhere and do some things. Now, logically, in this day and age, we have to do that. I just can't imagine that if every single one of us woke up every morning, didn't plan to go to work. If we just felt like we just show up or, or maybe, maybe halfway through the day, we just don't feel like we just go home. You know, we don't even tell our boss. Or, you know, I, I just imagine the chaos uh, that would just be going on in this world. But on one sense, we do have to plan. We have to be logical. We, we have to make plans. We have to plan because our planning will sometimes affect others in our lives. And it can affect in a bad way or it can affect in a good way. But there's something interesting here. It's, it's a little different for those of us who call ourselves Christ followers. A Christ follower is somebody who has believed in their heart, confessed with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, not only of heaven and earth, but Lord over their life, their heart. They have repented, meaning that they have done a 180 degree turn going from their lifestyle of sin and they've chosen to turn and go the opposite direction towards Jesus, that's a Christ follower. But for Christ followers, those who, of us who claim to be, desire to be, uh, one thing is, is that Jesus uh, is very, very critical on this when it comes to his word. And this is what James says. James tells us that we cannot plan without Jesus at the center. We cannot plan without Jesus at the center. Anyone that tells you that being a Christ follower is easy is a liar. That's right, they're a liar. They're lying to you. Being a Christ follower is not easy. In fact, Jesus never told us that it would be easy. It's very interesting that a lot of times we think that when we give our heart to Jesus, when we give our situation to Jesus, we think it's gonna be a bed of roses. Everything's going to be great. We're going to have this fantastic turnaround and everything's going to be wonderful from here on out. And then all of a sudden we find out that it's not. But what we do find is that the consistency of God and his love and his graciousness and his companionship and his direction and his wisdom. But being a Christ follower is not easy. And there's nothing easy about it, but one of our greatest struggles, one of many, being a Christ follower one of our greatest struggles is to plan our lives without Jesus. It's so easy for us to follow culture. It's the easy thing. Because what culture does is easy. But then when we are Christ followers, we come up a different set of standards that Jesus puts in the word for us to follow. A lot of times when I talk to people, they're like, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't really want to follow your God. You know, he has all these rules and regulations. And I look at it and I say, it's not rules and regulations. They're just simple, simply boundaries of love. You know, if, if you really love someone, you will have boundaries in place so they don't get hurt. You know, like I have boundaries for my, my five-year-old daughter. Like I don't let her cook on the open flame of the stove. That'd just be absolutely ridiculous. Oh, you want some spaghetti? Oh, you just go ahead and get the saucepan out. You know, uh, here's, here's the can opener. You know, go ahead and do your thing. I love her, so I have boundaries for her. And in the same manner, Jesus puts boundaries in place for us because he loves us, not because he hates us and not because he's a killjoy. Not because he knows something greater on the other side and he just doesn't want us to experience it. It's because he loves us and because he knows the consequences of what is to come and how we will suffer. And that's why he wants to be involved in the plans that we make on a daily basis. But a lot of times we have a hard time including God in our planning of our life. Now, I'm not talking about just day-to-day -day planning because that's important to have God in the midst of that. But I'm talking about future planning. 
What are you going to do in the next year? Where are you going to go in the next five? What's going on? Where is God involved in that? And a lot of times we have a hard time with that because sometimes we just think we're smarter than God. Now we won't blatantly and openly say we're smarter than God, but inside of our minds, we're thinking, you know, I I can see what's going on right now. And if I devise a plan, I can, I can definitely make this go the right way. So we think we're smarter than God. Sometimes we just become impatient with his timing. How many of you sometimes just get frustrated because you wait on God? It's okay to raise your hand. There's no lightning coming out of the sky. Sometimes we just get frustrated because we've been waiting. And sometimes it's not a couple days of waiting. Sometimes we see it's five years of waiting before we actually see a little bit of a breakthrough. And so we get impatient and we get worn out. And sometimes we feel that our plan is just more logical. And sometimes we see what's going on physically. So we try to help out the situation. Figuring, you know, God's so busy with the rest of the world that maybe, you know, I can just lend him a hand. That doesn't work. And this is why we must understand that God is not a noun. That's right, a noun. I am not a major in English, just FYI. But I do know this is that a noun is a part of speech that is used to name a person, place, thing, or a quality. A noun is not action. That's a problem when it comes to God. See, God is more than a name. He is more than a being. He is more than just this thing up there uh, that sits on a throne. He is action. He is alive. He is doing. It is absolutely impossible for God, the Lord, to not do. Because everything about him is doing, is going. Everything about him, if we read in the scriptures in Revelation, it says that there are these creatures that are constantly doing, that they're constantly going around his throne 24-7, night and day. They never rest because they don't need to know rest. But declaring, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It says lightnings and thunders around the throne are constantly going on. That there are 24 elders that are consistently throwing their crowns down before the Lord over and over and over and over again because he is action. He is doing. He never stops. He's not a noun. Daddy God is not in our lives to observe from a distance and bless when we need him to bless. It's so easy for Christ followers that sometimes in our minds and in our hearts, we finally get to this point where we're comfortable with God. You know what I mean. Now, a moment ago, I mentioned and I called my father, Daddy God. Because Abba means daddy. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not super comfortable with God, but I respect him. But a lot of times it's so easy for us that over here, we put God and we put Jesus and we put Holy Spirit and we try to figure him out and we put, put him right here. <laughs> and then over here, we got our lives and we're pretty comfortable here. We're, we're pretty comfortable and, and we're really comfortable with, with everyone, with the rest of the crew over here. We're comfortable with the, with the, with the three team over here and, and then we're comfortable over here with God. With, with us over here. And, and so a lot of times what we do is we just plan our lives. We just plan, pull out our calendars. We plan, we plan our futures and our futures are set because we know what we're going to do for our future. So it's set. And then we're just kind of like, oh yeah, that's God. Oh, oh wait, it's Sunday. I forgot. Let me run over here. Hi God, Sunday. Yep. Cool worship day. Great message. Yeah. Great time of prayer. Awesome. Thanks for that breakthrough. And, and then, oh, wait, oh, whoops, oh, I, oh, I forgot, woo, just slid in on, on a Wednesday, woo, that was close, almost didn't make it, <laughs> woo, thank God for that alert on my iPhone, <laughs> woo, good thing, good thing we're working together, <laughs> uh, see, sometimes we, we just do that with God, 
And sometimes we're just really thankful for prayer because prayer knows no distance, right? So like, it's easy for us to plan our lives and, you know, driving down the road, you know, we're just going and doing our thing. We're planning because, you know, we got it all figured out. And we just, you know, say a little prayer. That's okay because prayer doesn't know distance. So I can reach God from here. He doesn't need any FaceTime. <laughs> it's so easy for us to do that. God is not a noun. And here's what James says about this. In James chapter four, verses 13 through 17, this is what James tells us. Now, listen, you say, you who say tomorrow and tomorrow, today or tomorrow, we will go to do this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. I really appreciate James' boldness here, but I also appreciate his concern for us because he doesn't sugarcoat it. And what he says is he says, listen, if you make plans and God has no place in them, you're basically in trouble. That's what it comes down to. What I like about James is he doesn't put anything in between the lines. You know, he, he, he doesn't, you know, make it easy and just kind of like ease you into this revelation, into this truth. He's just like, bam, right there. Some of you just woke up. But he's like, boom, right there. Here's this truth. Don't start tomorrow. Start right now. See, moments ago, I was talking about how with our physical bodies, it's a lifestyle to exercise and to eat right. And with our spiritual lifestyle, it's the same. And if you're like me, a lot of times I have a hard time doing this. I try to live a disciplined life, but it's not easy. Like I said, with all of the temptations around us of food and all that. But sometimes if you're like me, you've had that little nugget of thought in your mind where it's like a Sunday and you're like, Sunday is pasta day. And so I cannot, I cannot obviously start working out today because I'm going to really carb up. And Monday though is not pasta day. So there are no carbs. And Monday I can actually begin to exercise. So I will start tomorrow. Ever do that? You go to the store, you're like, yeah, I'm going to exercise. You get all your equipment, you buy everything. You know, you got your little calculator, you got your little app on your phone, you'll keep your calorie counters, all this. You just, you know, you got your bands, you got your weights, you know, you, you set up your basement, you're all set to go. And you're like, all right, let's start tomorrow. And then you go up and you like clean out the fridge, you know, by eating everything, you know, because you don't want it to be a temptation the next day, you know. Like, oh my gosh, is he like prophesying to me? It's like he knows what, what I'm doing. <laughs> Hello, people. <laughs> but it's funny, you know, we do the same thing spiritually. It's like we get all, we get all excited. We get all really, really all just, just excited about God. And, and we get all passionate and we get on fire. And it's, it's like a terminology that we use. It's like, you know, I'm just blazing inside for God and you can't quench what's going on in there. And, and we get all pumped up and we get our Bible that, that we really like and we get our favorite worship CD and, and, and we get an idea of how we want to pray and all these things. And, and we get all set and all ready. And then we're like, okay, I'll start tomorrow. It's funny how we, we plan when to encounter God. But we won't start tomorrow. We must start today. About two years ago, I had to learn a lesson a hard way. I'm not a fan of that, by the way. Just FYI, if you can learn it the easy way, it's always better. I get a lot of invitations to go speak places all over the United States, different countries, all of this. And a lot of times, you know, I'll pray about it. I'm being legitimate here. I'm not cracking a joke, but you'll understand in a minute. I'll pray about it. And I'll be like, hey, gee, you know, should I just go you know, speak at this place? You know, I don't hear anything from God. And I'm like, okay, 
you know, it must be God's blessing it. And so for the longest time I would preach, I would just go, I would just go, I would pray, I would preach. God would do some great things. God would do some awesome stuff. And then I would return. And I would just accept invitation after invitation after invitation. And one day, several years ago, I was journaling in my journal and I heard the Lord speak to me very clearly. And this is what he said to me. He said, Jason, I'm going to remove you for one year from the preaching circuit. And you will not travel anywhere. You will not speak outside of my house, being this place. He said, you will only be obedient to fulfill that which is asked of you in this local house. I journal it all down. And he says, because I need to do some deep things within you. Well, that's a cool word, God. Awesome. You know, and so like I write it down. Now what we're supposed to do is apply what he says. Well, I kind of miss that. And so after I wrote it down, I just kept getting phone calls, kept getting emails, kept getting invitations. And I would just go and preach, 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 preach. One year later, I'm on vacation and uh, I'm flipping back through my journal. I'm reading all my entries one by one. And I come across that one journal entry and I read it again. And I hear the Lord so clearly say to me, I asked you to do this a year ago. You can keep doing what you're doing and keep making your plans, but I will bring this right back around every year until you submit to me. Ouch. God is not a noun. He requires action from us. And so therefore, I have taken one year of a sabbatical from preaching only here locally. And God has been doing some incredible things in my life. And I'm pretty excited about it. But all of that to say is, is that God requires us to include him in his plans. James tells us that when we choose to strategize without God, we actually limit his will and power in our lives and we lose out on his blessing. See, we can, we can substitute our passion and our giftings for the anointing of God and fool ourselves. I'll say it again. We can substitute our giftings and our passion for the anointing of God. Because it can look all great on the outside and you may be a great speaker. You may be a great artist. You may be a great singer. You may have the incredible mathematics of a genius. And you can substitute all that for the anointing of God. But let me tell you what. If it is not with Jesus in the center, you miss out on his blessing, his power, and his will. And all we're doing is, is moving in our own strength. And we don't want to be there, James tells us. In fact, uh, it says that, it, James even uses the words, and says that it's an arrogant assumption of self-sufficiency. And what's interesting is, is we find this all throughout the word of God. Adam and Eve started it. <laughs> well, Satan did actually. He he, you know, he didn't want to plan his future with God included. And then we see Adam and Eve did it. And they wanted a future, but they didn't put God in the middle of it and carry that future out. Jonah's another great example. Dude ended up in a whale. <laughs> Not exactly my idea of doing the will of God. But that's just a little bit of an example. See, when we make plans without God, it's to assume that we're in charge of our future. And we're quick to forget on a daily basis how quick our lives can go. I've lost many friends in car accidents, hearing from them a week prior to, and a couple days later you get a phone call finding out that they had passed in a car accident. Our life is but a breath, James says. Just like that. Nothing but mist. It comes and it goes. That's why we need to start today, not tomorrow. So if we're going to keep the intentions of Jesus at the center of our plans, then we must embrace burning bush moments. Embrace those burning bush moments. How many of you ever heard of Moses? A lot of us have heard of Moses. Movie, the great Ten, you know, Ten Commandments. Moses. <laughs> Never mind. You got to see it. <laughs> I might be dating myself a little here, but anyway, Moses. Moses, uh, Moses had this really good gift. He was really great at hiding out from the Egyptians. 
because he murdered one of them. So he runs away off into a far off land and he hides out. There he becomes a sheep herder for his profession. And uh, if you ever really study up on sheep herding, it's not exactly uh, the most exciting lifestyle uh, because sheep are dumb. (laughs) And you really have to take care of them. You have to babysit sheep because they really can't do much for themselves. So most of Moses's days were spent defending off these dumb animals um, from bears and attacks of lions and so on and so forth. But not only that, on top of that, like he had to put oil and salve on their wounds. He had to make sure they were eating. He had to make sure that they got a proper place to drink. But it was just continuous over and over and over the same routine. The only thing that really changed was the landscape because where he would take his sheep back and forth. If anybody had any idea about planning their day out, it would have been Moses. You got to get up at a certain time, make sure you feed the sheep, get up at a certain time, make sure you take them to water, so on and so forth. But there was this one day that was a little bit different than every other day. The word tells us that Moses was actually tending sheep and there was literally this burning bush moment in his life. Literally a burning bush shows up Uh, where he is at. And so what we find here is in Exodus chapter three, verses two through five, this is the account of what happens. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. So imagine, you know, you're at GE, you're working on the floor. You look over and the machine's on fire, but it's not burning. That would be a burning bush moment. There would be something supernatural going on in that moment. Now, in this day and age, we don't really see that happening. But what if there are burning bush moments going on all around us at all times, just not literally a burning bush? Where God shows up in the midst of our day, in the midst of our routine, and all of a sudden he manifests himself in ways that we just didn't expect. When we have those moments, they're called a burning bush moment. When you're going about whatever it is that you had planned and God comes in and interrupts the routine of your life. Wouldn't it be something though, if we were so in tune with God, as James says, that God never interrupts our routine, but God just joins in or we join in with him in what's going on. I'll give you an example of this. 10 days ago, I know because I counted, 10 days ago, I was, uh, I was taking a nap, doing the will of God. And um, <laughs> I was taking a nap and normally I, I use my phone as my alarm clock. And uh, I am I, very strict about when I take a nap, I always put my phone on silent, take off vibrate, everything. And, uh, and I just, my alarm will go off. Well, somehow... Now, you're going to laugh. I don't think I forgot. I think it was actually God at the moment, but you can figure that out yourself. But I had forgotten to take it off silent. I left it on vibrate. So in the midst of my sleep, all of a sudden I wake up to my phone buzzing. And uh, at this point now I'm awake. So I reach over, I grab my phone to make sure it's not like an emergency. And a friend of mine had texted me. I'm like, okay. So I opened up the text message because at first I was like, I'm just going to go back to bed. But then I felt like, you know, I just, maybe I should read this text message. Open up this text message and my friend had sent me this text. And they said to me, they said, hey, I was on Facebook and I found this post. And they had attached the post of this individual on Facebook to this text message. And he said, I really think you should read this post. This person really needs somebody to talk to. They, they're in a really bad place right now. And uh, I think that, that you should somehow 
connect with them. But most of all, I just feel really strongly you should be praying for this person. I was like, okay. So I scroll down and I, I read the post. I read what it says. I was like, wow, this is really intense. This individual is really hurting. So I shut my phone off and I say, if, take a couple minutes, I pray. And, and then I committed, and this is hard for me sometimes because, you know, you just read something, you're like, oh, okay, you know, Lord Jesus, please take care of them. And then you're done and you move on to your, your normal routine of life. But, but somehow I felt compelled that I needed to commit to praying for this individual every single day. And so I saved that post into my photo album. And every morning when I would pray, I would reference that post and I would begin declaring the opposite of what I was reading. And I would begin to declare over this person and pray for them. Day five comes around. And I go speak at the young adults on Tuesday night. And when I go speak somewhere, I'm just like, I'm just available. It's like, Holy Spirit, whatever you want to do, here we are. So I get done uh, speaking and I make this announcement. I'm like, hey, if you want prayer, if you need healing in your body, anything, just come on up. And I had a couple with me and, you know, so we're spread out in the front here and, and there's just students that just start coming and uh, praying for a couple of people. And all of a sudden this one individual comes up and uh, they say to me, they say, you know what? I, I just feel so strong that I need to come to you and I need prayer. Okay. So I said, what's, what's going on? They say, well, I never really tell anybody anything. I never tell anybody my business. I never tell anybody what's going on in my life, but I just feel like I really need to tell you. Okay, let me have it. They proceed to tell me and say, well, I almost committed suicide this week. I'm thinking, wow, okay, we're going deep right now. This, this is different. So they say to me, they, they are considering committing suicide. They didn't. Uh, and then they, they had never, ever been to young adults before on Tuesday night. And so they just thought they would give it a try that night. And so they come to young adults. And so they say to me, and then I heard you speak. Then you came forward and so on and so forth. So I said, okay, you know what? Let's just begin to pray. Let's just begin to pray for you. And, and they said, well, you know, I just, I don't know what to do with my life. I'm here. I don't know what to do. Here I am. So, okay, let's pray. So I start to pray for this individual and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit flashes before me this Facebook post. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm not being rude. I'm not texting anybody right now, but I'm going to pull out my cell phone because I need to reference something. I think I know you. I have been praying for you. They're like, okay, sure. So I pull it out and I pull it up and I say, is this you? Immediately that individual just broke down. That was the person five days ago, the burning bush moment God brought that person directly to me and we just began to have a moment with God. So now we're building this friendship and uh, we're going to be hanging out. I'm going to be journeying with this individual. But what would have happened? What, just think for a moment, what would have happened if Moses just would have ignored the burning bush? What if, what if Moses would have said, look, tending to the sheep is more important than, than whatever's going on over there. I've got things to do. I've got a plan. I've got my week scheduled. I know what I'm going to do. What if that would have happened? What if I would have said, you know what? That's great. That's fantastic. Hey, here's a card to a counselor. They can help you out because I've got things for the Lord to do. What would have happened? That's why we need to recognize the burning bush moments. We must live from the spirit because we make too many decisions from our flesh. As a Christ follower, we are called to live from the spirit and not from our flesh. God desires that everything we do, we run past him and not just past ourselves. I love what Jesus says. So in tune with the father, in Luke chapter 2, verse 49, this is what he says. Talking to his mom and dad at the time, just a youngster. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Other versions say about my father's business. What if, what if every morning we just woke up and, and we took our calendar and we glanced at it quick and 
We just submit it to the Lord and we say, okay, God, you know what? I need to be about your business today. Because according to your word, it says that I'm foolish if I'm not. And what would happen if we didn't treat God like a noun, that he's just this thing up there? And, and what if we started to embrace every burning bush moment in our lives? Yeah, it's going to interrupt our day. It might interrupt our plans in the evening. Man, talk about being accountable to God. I just don't want to get there on that day and be like, why didn't you do this when I asked you? The enemy is always intimidated when we follow through on God's will. Do you know that? He's not intimidated when we follow through on our own will. Did you know that? Like, he, he doesn't give a rip. He'll let you go because he's deterring you from doing the will of God. But as soon as you step up to the plate and as soon as you accept the will that God has for you, things begin to change in hell. And he goes frantic. He gets all spastic. He doesn't even know what to do at that point because he's so full of his own confusion. (laughs) I love doing that to him. Now, the good news is, is this. Instead of starting tomorrow, we're going to start today. And starting today, you are recommissioned. You are recommissioned. That word commissioned means the act of granting certain powers or authority to carry out a particular task or duty. See, as Christ followers, we have been given a commission. We have been given an authority. We have been given power to carry out, to fulfill the will of God that he's put on our lives. But see, there's a problem with this. This is what James says. In James chapter 4, 17, he says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Other versions say that is evil. James directly tells us that if we know what we are to be doing, if we know what God has called us to do, if we know the will and the plans that he has for us, but yet we choose not to do that, we choose not to engage in that, we are living in sin and it's evil. That kind of hurts. When I, when, I, when I read this and I began to ponder this, I couldn't help but think of Peter, the disciple the apostle, the hothead who on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit steps in and chooses to use. So in John chapter 21, we see the frustration of Peter. Jesus has already been crucified and he's risen from the grave. But Pete really doesn't know that yet. He's still kind of confused, a little upset, a little bitter. And his response is this, I'm going fishing. I'm out. Peace. And he leaves the disciples and he goes to fish. And as I've been pondering on this, I thought about this. The disciples get this commission from God before he even dies. And he says to them, don't worry because I'm going to come back. I'm going I'm to rise in three days. And they've already been ministering with Jesus for all these years. And they've seen some of the most miraculous things in the history of mankind. And all of a sudden he's like, yeah, I'm done with that. I'm going to go get in a boat and fish. There's some of you in this place this morning. You've dropped your commission from the Lord. And you went back fishing. I haven't heard from God in a long time. I don't even know what he's saying anymore. So I just went fishing. This is what I know what to do. Well, I quit my job because I felt God told me to do it. And here I am nine months later, can't get anything, can't find a job. I think I'll just go fishing again. I felt like God called me into ministry. 
was pretty sure. Can't get into a church anywhere. Put my resume out to hundreds of churches. No one wants me. Guess I'm just not that pastor that they're looking for. Might as well go fishing. And then we deal with all the shame, all the guilt. And we feel so far from God. We feel like there's this distance now between us and feel like we let God down. Man, me and God, we were like this for so long and now we're just like this. But that's all I know to do. I mean, I, I'm just so good at fishing in that one spot. That's like my sweet spot. And maybe I just didn't hear God. Maybe Peter didn't hear God. Or maybe Peter did hear God. Maybe he just didn't wait long enough or recall the promises that Jesus told him and declared to him. Maybe he just didn't have a perseverance that was strong enough at the moment. Maybe he's dealing with the temptation of how easy it was to go back to fishing instead of just waiting out a little bit longer for God to show up in his moment. And the beauty of this passage that we find is in John 21, is that Jesus approaches Peter in love and in grace and in mercy. And you know, Jesus, rightfully so, could have just scolded him. Could have slapped him upside the head. You know, hey, you knucklehead. And just, you know, crack him upside along the head and be like, what were you thinking? I told you I was going to be back in three days. And he just could have did the whole laundry list of I told you so. But he didn't. And I think that some of us in this place, we've given up the commission that God has given us. We've given up the call because we're afraid of getting the laundry list of I told you so. We're afraid of all the guilt and the shame that we're feeling that's, that's distancing us, that's separating us from God. We're afraid to, to, to confront that. And we're afraid that what, if, what would happen, just what happens if we meet the face of our Savior again, like Peter? What Peter didn't realize is that Jesus was there waiting with breakfast. He's <laughs> waiting for him with breakfast. He says him three times, do you love me? That's what God's concerned about. Do you love him? And if you love him, follow through with his will in your life. You're recommissioned. You're recommissioned. We have this responsibility as Christ followers that when we receive illumination from God about what we're called to do, we have a responsibility to follow through on it. And sometimes the way God is, is he doesn't put a timing factor on it. I'm sorry. I wish that I could open up the word of God and give you the direct scripture that says, in three years, you will. In four years, you will. In a year, in six months, and so on. But that's not how God works. He calls us to persevere, to trust him and follow out his will. I close with this in John 5, 30. Jesus states this. He says, by myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. As James says, if we don't do what we're called to do, and we know what we're to do, we're doing evil. And Jesus simply says, I only do the will of what my dad wants. And once we realize that God is action and we embrace the burning bush moments and we'll have no reason to return to our old ways and go fishing. Because we're recommissioned. I'm going to close with this and I'm going to give you an invitation to something in just a second. Several weeks ago, I had a dream three, three times in a row. It's a very big aha moment for me. In my dream, the, the first night, I had this dream that I walked into this room. It was just a, a room, and at the table, there was the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, and an empty chair. 
And as I walk in, I get close and the father looks at me and he says, this chair is for you. This is your chair, Jason. And I woke up. It's like, wow, that's a cool dream, you know? It's like, God just shows up in my dream, Holy Spirit and Jesus. And so like I journal it down and I'm like, yeah, this is cool. And I do nothing with it. Didn't even pray about it. Two days go by, th- three days, one day, I can't remember. I have a dream again. I'm in the same room again. Daddy God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Empty chair. This time I'm closer in the dream. And God looks at me, he says, you know, Jason, he goes, there, there's always the invitation to intimacy with me. But there are these moments, these deeper intimate moments that I invite my children to. Like that moment where I invited my son and two disciples to the Mount of Transfiguration, where I talked about delighting in my son. And it was only them in that intimate moment, just like now. And then I woke up. Journaled down my dream. It's a really awesome dream, really cool. And I did nothing with it. Third time's a charm. A couple days later, I had the same dream again, and this time I'm standing with my hands on the back of the chair. Daddy God looks into my eyes and he says to me, Jason, you are the apple of my eye. And you got to know what that means. I was told that the apple of your eye means that you're so close to the face of God that your reflection is found in his eyes. So he says to me in my dream, you are the apple of my eye. And then he follows up with this question. When will I be the apple of your eye? I woke up and I did something with that. When God calls us back and commissions us, he embraces us with love. Not shame, not guilt. That's what the enemy wants. I'm going to ask that we would stand. Just going to ask you to hang tight just for a minute. I don't want to miss this moment of what the Holy Spirit wants to do. If you're here this morning and you've left your commission, this isn't a bad thing, okay? So please don't, don't be like, oh my gosh, he's going to ask us to come forward and everyone's going to see that I left something. That's not what it's about. It's about you getting recommissioned with the Lord. If you're here this morning and you're just like, man, I let go of that call that, that God put on my life to, to go and work with those who are in need that are homeless and need to be fed, and and I've been feeling that calling, and I just ignore it, and I let it go, or if you're feeling that call to the mission field, or whatever it may be that you've just totally ignored, and you went fishing, and you need to just be recommissioned, I'm just going to ask you to make your way out and come to the front. Just make your way out and come to the front. You say, you know what, I'm just totally in need to do what God has called me to do. And I've just been fishing to pass the time. Just come to the front. This is a safe place. And if anything I would ever be more concerned with is about being recommissioned and not following through the commission of God. Just come on up. I'm just going to pray for you. If you want to be recommissioned, just come on up. Let me tell you what, when you are recommissioned, those burning bush moments are going to be a lot more evident. And God's not going to be a noun anymore. So take your time. We don't want to miss this. I'm going to ask you to take a posture of receiving. 
Now I'm going to pray for you. And I'm just going to ask you to believe that God is restoring you to what he has called you to. Father, in the name of Jesus right now, we thank you for your love and your restoration. Father, in the, in the name of Jesus, I break every form of guilt off of the minds and the hearts of these individuals in this place. And Father, even those who maybe just didn't have the courage to come forward, Father, I break the bondage of guilt in the name of Jesus over their minds and their hearts by the power and the authority of Christ. I declare that they are accepted by you. They are loved by you. And the distance that they have been feeling is coming to a close now in the name of Jesus. Father, I declare by the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, prophetically and apostolically in the name of Jesus, I declare recommissioning to these lives, recommissioning to these callings in the name of Jesus, recommissioning to these destinies, recommissioning to their inheritances. Father, I declare what the enemy has robbed, what the enemy has stolen, what the enemy has killed. I declare a hundredfold in return to the recommissioning of these individuals in the name of Jesus. I declare what has been stolen will be regained. I declare what has been killed over them is now alive in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that they are protected, that their calling is safe and secure in the hands of of you, Lord Jesus. Now, Father, I declare that they will move, they will operate, they will function in the giftings and in the authority and the character that you have called them to operate in from this day forward. And I declare they will not start tomorrow, they will start today. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen, amen. Let's just give the Lord a clap. I will close with this. You have your assignments and you have your assignments. Let's go start today, not tomorrow. Have a great week.